Hey, podcast listeners, thank you so much for joining me again today. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm hopping on just to give you a quick announcement before we jump into the news, and that is that I have changed the format of my show. As I'm sure you're aware, I was uploading previously short podcast episodes, sometimes as short as five minutes or less, that was covering just one story for the day, but that is obviously not nearly enough content for you guys, and I want you to be able to really get a lot from listening to my show. So I have begun a new style of show that will yield a much longer podcast episode each day, anywhere from 30 minutes, maybe sometimes a little bit shorter, but then all the way up to 45 minutes where I cover four to five stories each day. So check in Monday through Friday on my podcast to listen to that day's batch of stories that I think are important and relevant for you all. Uh, the podcast will no longer have background music, so that's just kind of a little stylistic difference. You may notice slight differences in kind of the style of the show because I am delivering this live initially on a YouTube live stream, and then it'll be converted to a more podcast-friendly format. Again, you can now expect daily podcasts that cover about four stories, so make sure you are subscribed to my podcast and leave a five-star review as well. Now let's jump into today's stories. Yesterday, the January 6th committee scheduled an unexpected hearing to hear from the person you can see on the screen, Cassidy Hutchinson. And in her testimony, she revealed some truly unbelievable information about January 6th, the lead up to it, and the behind the scenes. So we're just going to walk through those big moments. I'll give you a summary of what was revealed, and then we'll watch a clip that is from this testimony, her giving her experience about what was going on. So let's just tee up that first video. So first, this Cassidy Hutchinson, who was an advisor to Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. So very, very close to Trump and in that inner circle. Obviously, the narrative now on the right is we don't even know who this person was. Trump never interacted with her. But to be an advisor to the chief of staff means you are in a lot of these rooms and you do have a lot of inside information. So the first big revelation was she explained how when the rally was beginning on January 6th, the space in front of the stage wasn't quite full yet. And it wasn't because there wasn't enough people in mass at this event. To Trump's credit, this event was packed. The issue was to get close to the stage, you had to go through what they call mags um, that are those metal detectors. And so people didn't want to have to go through those because they had weapons. And so Trump got very, very angry behind the scenes and was saying, you know what, let them through. I don't care if they have weapons, take down the mags, take down the security and let them through because they're not here to hurt me. Let's take a look. Ending that the president wanted take the mags away and said that the armed individuals were not there to hurt him. That's a fair assessment. I just want to confirm that that is when you heard the president say the people with weapons weren't there to hurt him and that he wanted the Secret Service to remove the magnetometers. That's correct. Mr. Cipollone said something. So they're not there to hurt me. So he knew they had weapons. Why would they have weapons at a rally? Well, he recognizes they don't have the weapons to hurt me. They must have the weapons to hurt someone else. And they explain, he says, listen, let them through, let them keep their weapons, and then we'll march to the Capitol. That could not be a more clear setup for let them use their weapons in some sort of invasion of the Capitol. Wild stuff. The next revelation was that Donald Trump didn't want to have to go back to the White House, wanted to go to the Capitol as he said in his speech, which I'll be honest, whenever I originally watched him say, and I'm going to march down to the Capitol with you, I thought he was just 
trying to encourage all of his followers to do what he was asking, but he wasn't actually planning on going to the capital. What would, you know, what would be the purpose of that? But it looks like, no, he really intended on going to the capital. But of course, his staff behind the scenes was panicking because that would not be an option at all. To bring the president down to the Capitol when all this chaos is going on would be a horrible, horrible look. And so they were aware that already, but definitely if he went to the Capitol and was encouraging people to get violent in some way, encouraging people to go into the Capitol right there on the scene, they might be uh, criminally liable for some of what went on. So let's check that out. That's correct. Mr. Cipollone said something to you like, make sure the movement to the Capitol does not happen. Is that correct? Mr. Cipollone said something to the effect of, please make sure we don't go up to the Capitol, Cassidy. Keep in touch with me. We're going to get charged with every crime imaginable if we make that movement happen. And do you remember which crimes Mr. Cipollone was concerned with? In the days leading up to the 6th, we had conversations about potentially obstructing justice or defrauding the electoral count. What happened? So they were aware of the crimes that they may be involved in, they may be, be liable for based on their actions, and especially if they were having to defend themselves after going down to the Capitol and Trump standing right there as his mob broke into it. Next, she tells maybe one of the wildest stories we've heard, yet Trump was so intent on going down to the Capitol with his followers that he kept demanding his Secret Service take him there. But not unexpectedly, very expectedly, his Secret Service said, no, we can't take you to some not secure area where a bunch of people are rallying around. It looks like it might be get violent. We haven't prepared that space for you to enter yet. Absolutely not. And he got so angry that it led to this while he's driving in his car. While the Secret Service member is. What happened in the president's vehicle when the Secret Service told him he would not be going to the Capitol? The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president. Take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. So his Secret Service agent is saying, no, we can't take you to the Capitol where this mob is building up. And Trump is swearing at him, saying, I'm the president. Take me there. And the Secret Service, you know, I can't. I just can't. That's completely against the job description that I have, which is to keep you safe. Trump gets so mad that he reaches for the steering wheel. What? As if he's going to drive the car himself with the Secret Service agent sitting in that seat. Makes no sense. But then he gets grabbed by the person in the other seat and allegedly Trump goes and like reaches for his kind of neck area. Clavicle is what she kept saying. That's absolutely unbelievable. So, and by um, unbelievable, I mean insane. I, I do think it's actually believable. So another off the rail story that Cassidy Hutchinson recounted was her memory of walking into the White House dining room after Trump had heard about uh, former Attorney General William Barr's AP interview where he made it clear there was not fraud um, 
of a wide scale nature in this election. The election was not fraudulent. That made Trump so mad that he threw his plate of food against the wall. Wild On December stuff. 1, 2020, Attorney General Barr said in an interview that the Department of Justice had not found evidence of widespread election fraud sufficient to change the outcome of the election. Ms. Hutchinson, how did the president react to hearing that news? I first noticed there was ketchup dripping down the wall and there's a shattered porcelain plate on the floor. The valet had articulated that the president was extremely angry at the attorney general's AP interview and had thrown his lunch against the wall. <laughs> he reads this AP interview and gets so mad that he throws his plate of food against the wall. And one of the parts in the testimony that we don't have a clip of here, but she was talking about how this is something that had happened before. And one of the things he would do is grab the tablecloth and rip it off the table when he was angry so that all the things on the table would fly off of it. I mean, what are we talking about? A literal man with a baby's mind. It is... I can't even, a president is in there going, oh, he won't admit that my election, or he won't lie that my election was fraudulent. Boom, throwing his plate against the wall. Absolutely crazy. So in the first hearing, and this is a really, really important piece of information that has been confirmed, at least by this witness, as well as from Liz Cheney. So in the first hearing, Liz Cheney stated that Trump supported the hang Mike Pence chants that were going on while they were breaking into the Capitol. But Cassidy Hutchinson further verified that, verified that and stated that Trump, when he found out there was hang Mike Pence chants going on, responded with a positive sentiment saying, Mike deserves it. It's one of the more disturbing parts of all of this. I mean, just so vile, so inhuman. Let's take a look. You heard the president, Mr. Meadows and the White House counsel discussing the hang Mike Pence chants. They're literally calling for the vice president to be effing hung. And Mark had responded something to the effect of, you heard him, Pat. He thinks Mike deserves it. He doesn't think they're doing anything wrong. As rioters chanted, hang Mike Pence, the president of the United States, Donald Trump, said that, quote, Mike deserves it. As an American, I was disgusted. It was unpatriotic. It was un-American. We were watching the Capitol building get defaced over a lie. Indeed. A president, Donald Trump, gets told that his followers are chanting, hang Mike Pence. And his response is, Mike deserves it. That is absolutely, of course, I do have to know. This is all alleged, okay? This isn't an audio file that we're listening to. This is someone who was very close to all of what was going on saying, this is what I saw and heard. So that's what we're looking at today. It does not mean this is absolutely 100% confirmed, but regardless, deeply, deeply concerning that someone close to him remembers hearing him say that in response to people wanting to murder his vice president. So finally, Cassidy Hutchinson confirmed that people close to Trump were seeking pardons after January 6th. Of course, something we knew, but she further conf uh, confirmed it, which shows how they knew they had committed or at least were in the orbit of crimes that were going on in the lead up to January 6th, on January 6th, and generally in their attempt to overthrow, reject, change the lawful uh, election results. And so 
they wanted to get pardons because they knew they had committed those crimes, or at least they knew there was an appearance of committing some sort of crimes. Let's take a look. Did Rudy Giuliani ever suggest that he was interested in receiving a presidential pardon related to January 6th? He did. Ms. Hutchison, did White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows ever indicate that he was interested in receiving a presidential pardon related to January 6th? Ms. Meadows did seek that pardon. Yes, ma'am. So Rudy Giuliani and Mark Meadows, Chief of Staff and Trump's private lawyer. I don't know exactly Rudy Giuliani's position. Both were so concerned that they had done illegal acts that they wanted a pardon from the president before he left. I, I, this is crazy. I mean, I know we we knew all of this had happened. We really did. But to see someone who was so close to it and has so little incentive to just randomly make these things up, confirm beliefs and suspicions and evidence that we had already had and put our eyes on is it's it's mind-boggling honestly so apparently the part of the reason they scheduled this testimony so abruptly if you remember they said we don't have a testimony scheduled in the next number of days and then randomly they said we actually do and part of the reason that that happened was they're so or they were so scared about Cassidy Hutchinson's safety and that if they announced the hearing that they were going to have a testimony and it was found out that Cassidy Hutchinson was the person she might be so threatened that she might not want to show up. And so they had to do it so abruptly so there was no time for that to happen. And you have to respect her for doing this. Don't have to call her the biggest here in the world. She did go along with Trump's lies and Trump's damage for so long, but at least she did this. At least she showed up, she told the truth, and had a massive impact on these hearings and on the truth that we now are aware of, or at least what we believe is most likely to be the truth. So I do think it has to be noted, she was a huge Trump person, a huge loyalist. And that's what makes it even more credible, the things that she's saying. We're going to talk about in a future story, Trump's big response to this, as well as loyalists of Trump on Fox News, is to just go after the character of Cassidy Hutchinson and uh, attack her personally, not refute her points directly. And when you see that, it's hard not to want to scream like, but she was on board with you this entire time. Why would she all of a sudden just want to make up stuff against you? No, she was so disturbed by what she saw and she wanted to protect her own butt. Honestly, she wanted to not be held criminally, like not even have the chance of being held criminally responsible herself. So she's going to go tell the truth, get it all out there and hopefully earn herself some level of protection. But absolutely wild stuff. The January 6th hearings have turned out to be honestly way more groundbreaking than I had expected and put on very, very well. And a lot of truth that I don't even know I thought was going to be proved has been. And that is good news, even though most of this is very dark stuff. So we just discussed the January 6th hearing that took place where the person testifying, Cassidy Hutchinson, dropped bombshells about Trump wanting to go to the Capitol on January 6th and because he wasn't allowed to, getting in a physical altercation with a Secret Service agent, and then him throwing a plate of food against the wall whenever he read the AP article from former Attorney General William Barr, uh, where William Barr clearly stated there was not wide-scale voter fraud in this election. Trump freaked out, threw his plate of food against the wall, and then, of course, Trump reacting positively to the chance 
hang Mike Pence that were going on as they broke into the Capitol alleged from Cassidy Hutchinson that his response was, Mike deserves it. So I think it's only fair when you have this groundbreaking of information come out to give the other side's perspective, to let the accused have their say. So that's what we're going to (laughs) do. And we're going to be looking at Trump's absolute explosion on truth social during the hearings and after the hearings we can't even go through all of them because there's so many but we'll read through some of the ones that just (laughs) he's angry guys understandably he's being exposed for not just his anti-democratic stuff but also his wild wild temper and erratic actions behind the scenes. So first, while the hearing was going on, Trump said, I hardly know who this person, Cassidy Hutchinson, is, other than I heard very negative things about her, a total phony and leaker. And when she requested to go with certain others of the team to Florida after my uh, my having served a full term in office, I personally turned her request down. Why did she want to go with us if she felt we were so terrible? I understand that she was very upset and angry that I didn't want her to go or be a team, a member of the team. She is bad news. Again, one of the things I said in our previous segment was the first instinct of Trump and Trump bootlickers on Fox News was to go after her. She's was a bad worker. She, this, that, and the other. She's not trustworthy. Okay, but the stuff in her testimony, I agree. She's probably not a great person in my standards if she has wanted to work for someone like Donald Trump for the time that she did. But that doesn't mean that it's not in her best interest right now to tell the truth and to expose what was going on behind the scenes on that day. His next message, this was still while the hearings were going on, never complained about the crowd. It was massive. So this is referring back to him getting mad that in that front area, there wasn't that many people because they weren't allowed to go into the front with weapons. And he wanted them to be able to go in the front with weapons. But I will say the crowd was massive on that day. He he overdoes it. He says 2 million. That's not true. But There was a lot of people there. They just weren't allowed to go with their weapons in front of the stage. And that was one of the things exposed that he was mad about. I didn't want or request that we make room for people with guns to watch my speech. Who would ever want that? Not me. Besides, there were no guns found or brought into the Capitol building. So there were definitely, I would have to look back specifically on in the building, but there were definitely, as shown in these January 6th hearings, guns all around the perimeter. That guy in the tree with a rifle, definitely guns on the premises. So where were all these guns? But sadly, a gun was used on Ashley Babbitt with no price to pay against the person who used it. So when we were watching the hearings live, I pulled up his Truth Social account to see what he was saying. And we read this um, truth is what they're called. And my response to that part of it, Ashley Babbitt, the person who used the gun to kill her wasn't held, held responsible. It was a police officer who was getting attacked by a mob of people breaking into the Capitol. What was he supposed to do? And what was supposed to be done now after she was shot? Which again, as I said, when we were live streaming, I don't wish that happened. I'm so heartbroken that she was manipulated by right wing media that she was manipulated by Donald Trump to believe these lies to such an extent that she would go to the Capitol and end up dying because of those lies. So it's heartbreaking. I wish she hadn't died. But pretending like the police officer who shot her as they were breaking in and attacking the Capitol wasn't in his own right to protect himself in that situation with a gun is insane. Her fake story that I tried to grab the steering wheel of the White House limousine in order to steer it to the Capitol building is sick and fraudulent. Very much like the select committee itself wouldn't have even been possible to do such a ridiculous thing her story of me throwing food is also false and why would she have to clean it up i hardly knew who 
she was. Knowing her well, like being a bestie with her has nothing to do with if she would have to go in and clean up your ketchup plate of food. And this is something he keeps repeating. I barely knew who she was. I barely knew who she was. That has nothing to do with it. As the president, there are so many people around you all the time. So whether or not you were familiar with them as an individual has nothing to do with how likely it is that they overheard incriminating conversations or at least groundbreaking conversations. Next, and it's, he starts really spazzing out. She changed lawyers a couple days ago and with it, her story totally changed. Shocker. And then this is something he's been saying a lot. Cheney conveniently left out the snippet in my speech to go peacefully and patriotically. Isn't she disgraceful? Points in the speech that they showed were relevant for specific reasons. No one claimed you never gave some, you know, never alluded to the fact that your followers should be peaceful, but it doesn't matter when the bulk of your speech was clearly meant to have them go to the Capitol and the specifics of exactly what you wanted to do, we don't know. But we do know you wanted that electoral process, that certification of the electoral count not to happen. He then said, there is no cross-examination of the, of this so-called witness. This is a kangaroo court. Her body language is that of a total bull artist, Fantasyland. The cross-examination thing is crazy. They have Republicans, they have Democrats. The Republicans chose not to make this a more bipartisan committee. They decided not to do that. So as far as I'm concerned, that's on you. But they even do have Republicans on the committee and Liz Cheney's asking most of the questions a lot of the time. And then he said, whew, I'm getting tired. Will anybody ever be allowed to say that the election was rigged and stolen? Well, no, because I mean, you can you can say it, but it's not true. So that's why it's not going to be something we focus on in the January 6th hearings. Will the unselects ever discuss that our country is going to hell because of a fraudulent election? How about analyzing the election results? Yep, we've done it many times, buddy, and you lost. And finally, he said, I never said Mike Pence deserves it. Another made-up statement by a third-rate social climber. You said many, many things in public that weren't as explicit as he deserved it, but definitely showed how much you believed he was in the wrong that day and how much you wanted his followers to go after him. I missed two more. And then he said a total phony and then he said bad handwriting, that of a wacko. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there we go. That's what Trump had to say. Honestly, that's what you do when you don't have a good argument. You go after the person a bunch of times. You just call it a lie and say, she's not credible because I barely knew who she was. Again, I don't care if you knew who she was. There are tons of photographs of her around you, are always around Mark Meadows, who she directly worked for. So the idea that she would have overheard a lot of these conversations is absolutely reasonable. And then you have to say, as someone who is on board with Trump, each step of the way until January 6th, and it sounds like even after she was willing to work with him based on Trump's claims, that's just likely untrue as well. But even so, it still makes sense that as these revelations came out, someone who is even pro-Trump, who was there that day, may still go, I don't want to be caught up in anything criminal with this, so I'm going to come out and just tell the truth so that I can have my hands clean of it. Again, you take it all the way to what Trump is claiming, which, oh, she was so on board with me even after January 6th. Okay, cool. Let's pretend we believe that. I still think it would make more sense for her to want to come out and tell the truth about this to clear her hands of any possible wrongdoing than her making this all up completely. She's a complete Trump loyalist all this time and then suddenly she decides to flip. No, that makes much less sense than the heat has been getting turned up on the information that's coming out of these day of, of that day and the build up to it. And she's thinking, I would rather be on the side of history that tells the truth than gets caught up in this big criminal downfall. Glenn Maxwell, who trafficked underage women for Jeffrey Epstein's 
underage sex purposes has been sentenced to 20 years in prison for her crimes, which in my opinion is not enough for someone who led one of the largest sex trafficking rings in recent history. 20 years, that's not enough. But we'll talk about in a second. She is old so that in reality, it feels longer. It represents more of a burden whenever you're giving it to someone who's on the older side. But still, 20 years for all of what she helped to do is is wild. But let's read about it from CNN. Glenn Maxwell was sentenced to 20 years in federal prison Tuesday for carrying out a years-long scheme with her longtime uh, confidant Jeffrey Epstein to groom and sexually abuse underage girls. Maxwell, 60, did not testify in her defense during the trial last, late last year, which ended with her conviction on five counts, including sex trafficking of a minor. But on Tuesday, she spoke in the court to the victim shortly before the sentence was handed down. Quote, Jeffrey Epstein should, uh, should have been here before all of you. Maxwell said at the podium, her legs shackled. It's not about Epstein ultimately. It is for me to be sentenced. Well, then why'd you say he should be there? I agree. He should have been able to be punished for the things he did, but you need to be punished for the things that you did. Maxwell Epstein's former girlfriend acknowledged that she had been convicted in the sex trafficking schemed scheme, but stopped short of taking responsibility. I am sorry for the pain that you've experienced, Maxwell said. I hope my conviction brings you closure. So that is the most backwards, disgusting way to phrase that. It's, it's just like the, I'm sorry if I made you feel this way. When someone apologizes, they hurt your feelings and they're like, I'm sorry you feel that way. Oh, I'm sorry you feel that way. That's exactly what this is. I'm sorry for the pain that you've experienced. I hope my conviction brings you closure. No, you need to admit that you cause all of this pain. We're not hoping the conviction is going to bring us closure just because we got someone is because we know what you did and we want you to be held accountable for it. So you need to clearly take responsibility. Prosecutors had asked the judge to sentence Maxwell to 30 to 55 years in prison while the probation department recommended 20 years. Maxwell's attorneys requested a more lenient sentence of between 4.25 and 5.25 years in prison. So prosecutors asked for 30 to 55. She got 20. Judge Allison Nathan calculated that the sentencing guidelines called for about 15 and a half to 19 and a half years in prison, yet she delivered a sentence slightly above that range, noting the victim's disturbing testimony and Maxwell's direct and repeated participation in a horrific scheme. Quote, Miss Maxwell is not punished in place of Epstein, she said. Miss Maxwell is punished for the role that she played. Absolutely. So, like I said, for what she helped to do, I don't think 20 years is justice. Again, one of the largest sex trafficking rings, largest sex tra trafficking operations of minors. And she participated in that. She helped get all those girls, brought them to Jeffrey Epstein for him to abuse them. So 20 years isn't enough, but she is 60. So as I previously mentioned, 20 years is a lot longer within that context. I really don't, don't have much else to say on this, but I'm glad she will be away for a while. And hopefully this will bring her to the end of her days. If she is able to get probation, if she's able to get out earlier than that, then possibly not. But being 80 when she gets out is, is it ends the rest of her able-bodied life of going out and being a free person. But still just the message of it, I think should have been a lot more than 20 years for the terrible things that she did. Okay. We have to talk about the Rudy Giuliani scandal. Can we call it that nonsense? Um, <laughs> it is very unimportant and I recognize that it's just something for us to laugh about. Um, but it also highlights just how massive of a fall Rudy Giuliani has taken from grace and from respect. So 
Rudy Giuliani was at a grocery store and someone, according to him, assaulted him, assaulted Rudy Giuliani, hit him so hard in the back. He didn't know if it was a gunshot, a boulder. It was crazy. Well, let's just, before we go any further, <laughs> as you can tell, this is probably not accurate based on the way I'm telling it, but this is what Rudy told us. Let's look at his telling of this brutal assault that happened in a grocery store in Staten Island. I got hit on the back as if a boulder hit me. As uh, if a boulder. It knocked me forward a step or two. Uh, it didn't knock me down, uh, but it hurt tremendously. I did not know what it was. I had no idea what it was. And all of a sudden, I heard someone uh, yell at it me something I can't repeat about what, it, what I am. Uh, um, curse, curse words, dirty curse words, and then some more dirty curse words. So dirty. More dirty. As he retreated, ran away, and then he turned around and he said that I was a woman killer. I come out of the bedroom. A group of people are around me, hugging me, kissing me, telling me Andrew's great. And all of a sudden, I feel a shot on my back, like somebody shot me. I got hit on the back. As if a boulder hit me. That woman uh, gave a statement to the police that the guy hit me so hard that she herself almost fell from the reverberation of it. So he was hit. It felt like a boulder. The lady standing next to him, it was such a massive strike to the back that she felt the reverberation off of the power of that strike. Okay, well, if that's true, if it was true, I would feel so bad. Don't go hitting an old man. That's tragic. But as you can probably predict, and you've probably seen this already, that's not what happened. That's not what happened at all. Let's take a look at what really happened. There's Rudy. Here okay. comes the thunder. Okay. Boom! The boulder! <laughs> There's Rudy. Here comes the thunder. Boom! But, wait, surely... The way through, that's not it. I got hit on the back... As if a boulder hit me, uh, it knocked me forward a step or two. Uh, it didn't knock me down, uh, but it hurt tremendously. <laughs> so we all caught that, right? It was a it was a pat on the back, a little bit more aggressively than like a typical hey, a little bit, but nothing like what he described it to be. Now, to be so clear with you, don't touch people in public. What the heck? That's weird. Agreed. But that can't be the focus of this. When you tell such a massive lie, I don't care that what the person did was not appropriate. You don't touch someone that you don't know in public. Of course, we all recognize that. The only thing we can focus on is the fact that you pretended you gotten like violently attacked and instead you got someone patting your back. And the context of the situation is that person was as Rudy said, saying very naughty, naughty words, um, or what he said, dirty, dirty words, and calling Rudy Giuliani bad things for their political views about him, of course, and saying it right after they, or during their little back, back rub, <laughs> but nothing like what he described it to be. Well, he didn't stop. After that footage came out, he, he kept going with the lie, and we'll watch that right here. Now I just get informed by the police, they're going to downgrade the charges. Oh, now I don't care. To be clear, what he's responding to is that person in the grocery store, he was a grocery store worker who patted Rudy on the back, got charged with assault. 
assault because Rudy had said all of this um, crap. But then once the police got their hands on the security footage, they were like, um, this is not assault. Maybe we can charge him with something for touching you unwantedly, harassment, I don't know, but this is not assault. And Rudy is outraged. Let's start this clip from the beginning with that context. Now I just get informed by the police, they're gonna downgrade the charges. Now I don't care for me. I can take care of myself. This little punk is gonna hurt me. The mafia threatened to kill me twice. The FARC wants to cut my throat and have four fatwas. I'm not allowed to go to Sizzly because I'm told they never forget. You think I worry about this little punk? I worry about this little punk for you because if he can come and hit me, a 70 year old man, next thing he does is gonna hit you. So Rudy is just looking out for the little guy because if people are allowed in this country to go around and pat people on the back, we could have real hell break loose in the United States of America. <laughs> I don't know. This is why. So the bottom line is Rudy Giuliani is complete and total liar. Also, don't touch people in public like that. I think it's perfectly fine to verbally communicate your distaste for somebody, but don't touch them because that can feel threatening, even if it's not actually threatening. But if you do get touched in public, be honest about what happened and don't pretend that it was some violent confrontation that you had. But Rudy just keeps getting more delusional and keeps getting more deranged, unfortunately. That concludes today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to leave a five-star rating and a review, and I'll see you tomorrow.